All right. Who's glad to be at church today? Anybody glad to be in the house of God? Yeah. Well, we're glad that you're here, and we want to welcome everybody who's not able to be here with us today uh, through the miracle of technology, through that camera back there. We just want to say welcome to everybody who's watching online. So glad that you're part of our church family. Can we welcome everybody online, too? Come on, let's give it up. Yeah, glad you're with us today. And I want to just point the way, clear the path for where we're headed over the next couple of weeks. Two weeks from today, two weeks from today, one of the biggest days of the year. It's Easter Sunday, but uh, we're not just doing Easter Sunday services. We're doing Easter weekend services. And so we have actually six different services to choose from coming up on Easter weekend. It's going to be the 15th through the 17th. And we've got a Friday night service at seven o'clock. There's two Saturday evening services, four and six. And then Sunday will be our normal service times, be 8, 30, 10, and 11, 30. And we've been telling you about this for the last couple of uh, weeks. Actually, I think we did a six-week countdown, if I remember right. We've, we've been telling you for a while, and the reason is is because, like, if you look around this room today, we're at capacity, even in this service most times, and I would, I would just love to, to ask some of you, uh, don't even pray about it. Would you just do me a favor, all right? Would you just do me a favor and, and maybe begin to go to the 8.30 service or the 11.30 service because the 10 o'clock service hour is the most popular service time in America. Did you know that? The most popular service time in America. And also the 8.30 and 11.30 said that they were better than this one. So, I mean, if you just, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just kidding. They didn't. They're, they're the exact same services, by the way. Same services, same messages, same worship. But we do three services so we can, we can make room for other people. And because it's the most popular service time, I, I want to uh, just say that when you, when you go to a different service, what you're doing is you're giving up a seat in this room for somebody else to attend. And it may, may, they, may, they may show up on a Sunday and maybe the parking lot's too full at 10 o'clock. And so they decide, well, I'm just not going to go back there. And so not, not only is the room full, but kids' ministry's full and the parking lot's full. Come on, somebody. That's a good problem to have, isn't it? I love it. I love it. And so, not just for Easter, but I would say even on a regular basis, would you, would you consider moving to a different service to make room for more people to come to know Jesus? Like, people can go to heaven because you give up a seat in this room. It's, it's really, I, I really believe that. And so, um, so, for Easter, we've got these six services, and, and when you came in today, you, would, you noticed uh, that we've got a six-pack of cards in your seat nicely packaged for you, and I want you to take these with you. I want, I want these to be a resource for you over the next seven days. And the reason we put six in there is because there's six days between here and next Sunday. I want you between now and next Sunday to, to, to give these away, to invite somebody. Maybe you've been praying for them, and, and maybe there's somebody in your heart, in your life that is far from God, they're unchurched, and, and you've been thinking to yourself, you've thought to yourself, Man, I wish they were at City Hope. I wish they could experience what I'm experiencing there. And so the, the best way for you to invite them is to not go to them and say, you need to get your life together. That's not the, that's not the way you would do that, right? What you, what you might say is, hey, man, I, I don't know if I've told you or not, but I've been going to City Hope, and it has changed my life. I mean, my life is different today than I was three months ago, six months, two years, however long you've been coming. Say, I would love for you to come to Easter with me. 
Don't just invite them to come to it, but say, hey, I, I will meet you there. Like, you tell me which service you want to go to, and I'll sit with you. I'll meet you there. We'll get some coffee in the lobby. I'll sit with you. If you want, we'll go out to lunch or dinner afterwards, and, we'll, and I, I would just love for you to be in church with me. And here's the thing. 84% of people who uh, sur- surveyed, 84% of people said they would go to church on Easter if somebody invited them. Can you believe that? So like the, the, the metrics, the stats are in our favor. All we have to do is just, is just give an ask. And so I want you to be praying. Who could you invite? Who could you, who could you bring to church with you on Easter weekend? And then, of course, on your way out, there's, um, there's yard signs. You can get those and put those in your business or put those in your yard, however you want to do that. But just know this, that Easter is one of the perfect times to have somebody far from God sitting with you. Um, if you've been through growth track, you've heard me say that a couple times a year, I want you to have someone far from God sitting with you. And the reason is, is this, is, is because you are their hope. Jesus Christ through you is the hope of the world, but you, you're the hope of the world. The local church, a healthy local church is the hope of the world. And so you have the, you have the privilege to invite somebody. And I'm telling you, you will never care more about church than when you have a lost person sitting next to you. Come on, somebody. Because you'll be like, man, I hope Pastor Ben doesn't embarrass himself. I hope they sing my favorite songs. I hope they greet him. You're, you're going to be thinking all of those things. So I want you to, let, let's get serious. Let's be praying and inviting friends to join us for Easter. And I want to I set this goal, all right? I want to celebrate first that 52 people have given their lives to Jesus Christ already this year. Documented salvations. Documented. I'm believing for 100 people to, be, to, 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 to come to know Jesus on Easter weekend. 100 people. I believe that. Can you be praying with me about that? Let's pray. Let's believe God to touch people's hearts in Jesus' name. All right. So we are in uh, week four of this series that we're calling The Blessed Life, and uh, we've been studying scripture about the blessed life. We've been using uh, Pastor Robert Morris' book called The Blessed Life. It's been a, a, a great resource for us. Some of the content of this message series has come out of this, and so we actually have this available to you for free out in the lobby. Somebody's already paid for it, and we just want to get it in your hands as, as a way to resource you and to, to help you in your generosity journey, all right? So uh, next week, we're going to talk about, am I generous? That's the topic next week. Today, we're going to talk about the happy life, all right? The happy life. And the happy life is the blessed life, right? You, you could say that the blessed life is a happy life. And what I've come to know is that a lot of people, they, they don't follow God out of desire or delight. They follow God out of duty. They don't follow God because they get to. They follow God because they have to. Well, if I don't want to burn in hell, I reckon I'll just go on to church, yeah, right? That's, that's kind of the mindset. Like a, it's just kind of some fire insurance over our lives. I, I, you know, I, I, don't, I, don't want, I don't want the devil to get me, so I'm going to get up and go to church. But it's, it's more than that. So, like, we believe that we should read our Bibles, we just don't like to read our Bibles, right? Or maybe we, we know we're supposed to pray, but I don't enjoy praying. Or maybe I know I'm supposed to go to church, but I don't really enjoy going to church. And for a lot of you, that was your story. And one of our, our desire here at City Hope is to create a church, to create a culture where it's more like a party than a presentation. Like, church is supposed to be enjoyed, not endured. Y'all with me? Like, like when you leave today, you're supposed to be going, man, I can't wait to get back next week, not going, I can't wait to get out of this place, right? We, that's not our desire. 
But a lot of people live their Christianity that way. It's, it's, it's duty rather than delight. It's duty rather than desire. And I think this, that mentality, it's even crept into generosity, the way we feel about being a blessing to other people. It's like we have to. It's not that we get to. Like we, it's like we have to do it. And, and I want to change that mindset today, all right? So I thought first that I would share a testimony with you. Uh, I, I love testimonies because they give an opportunity for the same thing to happen again. And uh, this week, I, I just asked some of our dream team, any stories? Anybody got a story? And I want to share one story with you. All right. A uh, um, lady uh, sent me a messenger. She said uh, that last month, her husband lost his job. 14 years, they closed it down. Lost his job. I prayed with them at first Wednesday, which, by the way, this Wednesday is first Wednesday. And we always have prayer time. And, and uh, so I just happened to pray for this couple. And so he decided he's going to start his own business after he lost the job. But over the last month, their income has plummeted, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's not been the same. And so they've gotten behind on some bills. They've, she's been praying, like, God, help me to catch up. Like, help, help me to get this, you know, get these bills caught up, pay, you know, whatever. And so anyway, three weeks ago, I preached a message on what test? A message about tithing. And in the message, I gave an illustration of me giving three people $10,000 each. If you were here, you'll remember that, right? So, so anyway, that was on Sunday. And on that following Monday, she gets a call from the tax office that says, hey, good news, we, uh, you're getting a $10,000 tax return this year. And the only thing she could hear was me saying, that's not even your money, right? That's what she heard. <laughs> that's not even your money. And so... They decided in their heart they're going to be obedient. They're going to, they're, okay, we're going to tithe. God, God, we're in this series. We're going to trust God. We're going to step out in faith. We're going to give the first 10% of this to the Lord when we get it. They haven't gotten it yet. When, when it comes in, we're going to give the first 10%. So they decided that in their heart. That was Monday. Tuesday rolls around, and her husband gets an opportunity to quote two brand new jobs. Come on, somebody. When it's all been silent and you hadn't got anything and, there's not, and, and all of a sudden you decide in your heart you're going to tithe and now you're, you're, seeing, you're seeing these opportunities. Well, so that was Tuesday. Well, then roll on to Wednesday. They, she goes to pick up the tax return and they say, well, you know, you're actually not getting $10,000 back. You're getting $11,000 back. And I'm just here to tell you today, church, that you can't make that kind of stuff up. She said, I believe with all my heart that because we stepped out in faith and obedience, God knew our hearts. He knew our heart from the get-go, and he was meeting us right where we are. That's not coincidence. I just, you can't convince me that that was a coincidence. God was opening the windows of heaven, and he was proving himself to that couple. Amen? Come on, let's give God thanks for that. That's powerful. Awesome. So, um, so I want you to experience that kind of blessed life. A happy, a happy life is a blessed life. We get to give. We don't have to give. This is a joy. It's, it's, it's not a drag. Come on, somebody. We get to do this. So um, this message is, while it could apply to tithing, we've already talked about tithing. What I want to do today is I want you to hear this message um, above and beyond tithing. Okay, we know that tithing is obedience to God. Tithing is not generosity. Tithing is just not stealing from God. That's, just, that's what it is, right? So, so what I want you to do today is I want you to filter this message through the idea that God wants me to be generous above that. He wants me to bless some people. He wants me to maybe take care of a need that I've heard about. He wants me to leave a honking tip. Come on, somebody. When you go out to eat today 
And even if that server just blows it royally, that would be the greatest time for you to leave a honking tip. And to just say, hey, you know what? We are, so, we are so thankful for you, and we love you so much, and we know it's been a hard day. We wanted to bless you a little bit just because we, we know it's been a rough day. Well, I mean, think about what that speaks to somebody instead of saying, you ain't getting jack squat, right? <laughs> that's, that's not the right heart. So, so I want you to think about it in your everyday life, not just within the church, not just tithing, okay? So... Here's what I would tell you. It's in your notes, not on the screen, but I want to remind you that, that blessed just means blessed is supernatural power working for you. That's what blessed is. You can, you can write that in your notes. I don't have it on the screen today. Supernatural power working for you. So when, when you obey, what are you? You're blessed, right? And when you disobey, what happens? Consequence, curse. So if blessing is supernatural favor working for you, then a curse must be supernatural power working against you, all right? So write that in there. That, that, that's a working definition that you can, you can have between blessing and cursing, all right? And what I want to do today is I want to show you five declarations. I felt like the Lord gave these to me this week. This is not in the book. This is five things that as I prepared, I just felt like these are five statements, Five truths, five things that, that if we're going to live a happy life, these five things need to be in our life because we can't live a happy life without these five things, okay? So number one in your notes, if you're going to live a happy life, this has got to be true, all right? I am happier giving than receiving. I mean, it's a declaration, and if it's not true in your life, it can be. Okay, I, I, want, I want you to begin to practice that. I want you to be, maybe begin to say that in your everyday life, in your prayer time. God, I'm happier giving than I am receiving. Now, how many of you like to receive gifts, right? Oh, you bunch of liars. Come on. <laughs> no, no, this is a trick question. Don't raise your hand, right? No, no, we all like, you like to, I like to receive gifts. I like to receive, I love to receive gifts. How many, how many of you like to give gifts, Right? Right? We like to give gifts too. But isn't there something special about giving gifts compared to receiving the gifts? I mean, when you get to, when you get to see somebody's response. Next week, uh, I'm going to share a little bit of our story on, on generosity, a little bit of our testimony and how we've been able to be, be generous. I'm not sharing it to brag. I'm just sharing it to inspire you, to just tell you what God's done in our life. But it is so much fun to give. And I want to show you this principle in... In Scripture, it's in Acts chapter 20, it says that, this is Paul talking here, by the way. Paul says, I have been a constant example of how you can help the poor by working hard. Which, by the way, this is what our serve teams did yesterday. Yesterday was first Saturday serve. And we had dozens of people from Burke Burnett to MSU to over near Sputter Park that were out working hard to help the poor. All right, and, and can I just tell you that the poor is not just people who are physically poor or financially poor. It's people who are spiritually poor. It's people who don't know Jesus. And Paul says, I want to show you how you can help the poor by working hard. You should remember the words of the Lord Jesus when he said that it is more blessed to give than to receive. So that word blessed is makarios. It means that you have more than you need. It means that you have supernatural favor working in your life. It means that you're happier. Like there's something going on inside of you. You're happier when you give than when you receive. So Jesus didn't say it's going to be easier for you to give than to receive. 
He didn't say it was going to be more natural for you to give than to receive. He just said, you're going to be more blessed. Everybody say, more blessed. That's right. You're going to be not just blessed, more blessed. Like This is going to be a good life. All right, let's keep going. Paul teaches us in 2 Corinthians the same principle. He says, I want to tell you, dear brothers and sisters, what God in his kindness has done for the churches in Macedonia. All right, now let me set this up. He's writing to the Corinthians, but he's talking about the Macedonians. So the Macedonians, they were giving offerings to the church in Jerusalem. And they were, man, they were just going above and beyond. It was blowing Paul's mind. They were really making a difference. They, were, they, they just couldn't wait to give. There was real joy in giving. But what you would need to know is that the Macedonians and, and the Corinthians, they were kind of competitive. Kind of like old Hein Rider, okay? So, so I mean, that's just, a, that's just something that you would understand if you're from Wichita Falls. So, so Paul says, though you, you've been going through um, much trouble and heartache. Oh, by the way, I just, I just want to illustrate. So the reason he's writing about the Macedonians is because he's trying to spur the, the Corinthians on. So it would be like him saying, hey, you know, old high's doing this, writer. I mean, you don't want to let them outdo you, right? That's, that's kind of what he's saying with the Macedonians and the, and, and, and the Corinthians, is he's trying to encourage them to, to do what they're doing, right? So he says, Though they've been going through uh, some trouble and some hard times, their wonderful joy and deep poverty have overflowed in rich generosity. Now, this is one of those things that, that doesn't make sense. And remember, God's ways are higher than our ways. His ways don't make sense sometimes. How is it that joy plus poverty equals generosity? How is it that that works out? All I know is that when you are, when you are generous, even if you feel like you don't have a lot, even if you feel like, I, I can't meet their needs, it produces a joy inside of you, all right? So he goes on and he says that, I can testify that these Macedonians gave not only what they could afford. Well, Pastor Ben, we can't afford that. So, so Paul says they didn't just give what they could afford. They actually went far above. They gave far more and they did it of their own free will. So I didn't have to twist their arms. I didn't ha it wasn't under compulsion. It wasn't under pressure. They did it because they wanted to, and they begged us again and again for the gracious privilege of sharing the gift with Christians in Jerusalem. What does that mean? It means that there was joy in their hearts. How many of you, have you ever met somebody who is begging to give? Just, just begging? It doesn't happen a lot. These Macedonians, even though they were poor, they were in a, they were in a very, um, uh, they were in a recession. And, and things weren't great financially in, in their economic system in this, at, the, at this point. But they're begging to give. And, and you can feel that joy in them. But he says, beyond even their gifts, it wasn't just about the offering. He says, they went above and beyond our highest hopes. Because the first thing they did was they dedicated themselves to the Lord. And I want to tell you today that more than your offerings or more than any generous act that you do, God wants your heart. God wants a relationship with you. Jesus died to give that to you, and he wants, he wants a relationship with you first. And we're going to give you that opportunity at the end of the service. But that's what they did. They dedicated themselves to the Lord and then to, to Paul for whatever directions that God might give them. So here's what I would tell you is that um, the happiness, the true happiness, doesn't come from getting more stuff. 
True happiness doesn't come from accumulation. True happiness doesn't come from what you, what you receive in a paycheck or in a promotion. True happiness comes from giving more than it does receiving. Amen? So that's, that's the first declaration, all right, the, the second declaration, if we're going to live the happy life. We've got to learn this. We've got to let this be true in our lives, that I'm a cheerful giver. I'm a cheerful giver. Like I, I, I'm cheerful. I, I love to give. It's a joy to give. And this principle comes from the same, the same letter. So if you remember um, the book of 2 Corinthians it's just called 2 Corinthians because it's the second letter that Paul wrote to the Corinthians. They, it didn't come with chapters and verses when he wrote the letter. Okay, so what we just read was 2 Corinthians 8, and this is the same letter now in 2 Corinthians 9. He's still talking about giving this offering. And he says, remember this, a farmer who plants a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each make up your own mind as to how much you should give. So this is why at the end of every service, we don't, uh, we, we're not pressuring you. We just simply ask you to ask the Lord what he wants you to give. But I, I do want to tell you that I'm praying about that. So, so when I say ask the Lord what he wants you to give, I'm also praying that he would speak to you about what to give. Okay? So, so but I, we, all I say is, and, and I mean it from the bottom of my heart, you just ask the Lord what he wants you to do, and then you be obedient, because that's between you and the Lord. So I want you to know I'm praying for you, that he would speak to you, but, but don't ever give reluctantly. Don't ever give like, oh, I guess I have to give. No, no. Don't give out of pressure. Don't give out of compulsion. Don't give because you feel like if you don't, things are going to fall apart. No, no, no. You give because God loves a person who gives how? Cheerfully. And, and the Greek word for cheerful is hilarious. Hilarious. In fact, our word hilarious is a transliteration of hilarious. There was no word in the English language called hilarious. That when they were translating the Bible, they came across this Greek word that they didn't have an English word to describe. And so they said, well, let's just create one. And they created hilarious. God loves a person who gives hilariously. <laughs> This is so much fun. <laughs> that hurt my sides right there. That was painful. That almost also sounded like a joker laugh. That was way, almost, almost too far. But, but God loves that cheer. You ever met somebody like that? They're just so much fun. They, you love to be around them. And God, God loves a person who, who sees a need and meets the need right? And I'm not talking about church. I'm talking even about outside of the walls. And you, you see a, a neighbor who's, who maybe they broke their leg and you say, you know what? I, I got your yard for the next eight months. Ever how long it's going to take you to recover? I've got you. You don't work. That's generosity. Hey, I'm going to take care of this thing. Hey, I'm, I'm going to bless you. You walk over to a new family in your neighborhood and you just bless them with some sort of act of kindness. And that, that's what I'm talking about is, is a person who just gives Cheerfully, a, a hilarious, a willing, good-natured, joyful giver. And when, when you give like that, it actually sweeps away all of the worry, the fear, the concern, because it's a joy to do it. It's giving cheerfully. And uh, I, I heard about a, a, a young girl who, who gave um, in the offering. Her mom had given her a dollar bill and a quarter. 
And so she said, before church, you can give whatever you want to give. You can give the quarter. You can give the dollar. It's up to you. And so um, after the service, they're on their way home in the car, and the, the, um, the mom says, well, hey, did, which, which one did you give? What did you decide to give? And, and the little girl says, well, I was going to give the dollar, but then when the pastor got up there and started talking, he said that God loves a cheerful giver, and I figured I would be a lot more cheerful if I gave the quarter. So that's what I, that's what I, I just gave the quarter. <laughs> Not really like that, but you know, right? Here's what I'd say to, to you, though. You shouldn't be embarrassed if, if you feel like all you have to give is just a little bit. I want you to hear my heart. Don't be embarrassed if you feel like, my, I've just got a small gift. It's not going to make a difference. It's not going to help this person in need over here. I, I, I can't really fulfill the whole thing. It's not going to help anybody. But let me tell you today, when you give, when you are generous outside of the walls of these church, when you're meeting someone's need outside of the walls of this church, it's not about the amount. It's about the attitude. It's about the attitude of the heart. It's not about the amount that you give. It's about, the, it's about an equal sacrifice. It's about what you have decided in your heart and your obedience to God. That is what it's about. Amen? So, so that's the second declaration we've got to have is that I'm, I'm a cheerful giver. Say these in the morning. When you, maybe you make it part of your routine. God, I'm, a, I, I'm happier giving than I am receiving. I'm, 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 I'm a cheerful giver. Number three is that I'm a conduit of blessing. This is a declaration for, for the happy life, that I am a conduit. Now, that's a weird word, right? Nobody, I bet nobody's ever called you a conduit before, right? You're such a conduit. Nobody's ever, not like an insult or anything. Nobody's ever done that, right? But what is a conduit? A conduit gets things from point A to point B. All throughout this building is conduit, electrical conduit that carries wires that carry a current, from the breaker panel to the, to the destination, whatever switch or outlet is, is there. It, it's a conduit. It's a, it's a channel. Throughout this building, there's plumbing in the floor, and that plumbing carries water from one place to the next. And what I'm telling you is that God wants to use you to bless other people. God wants to use you, me, Yes, you, to bless other people, to make a difference in the world around you. God wants, God wants to use you. God wants to get some things through you. God has a purpose for your life. And I think one of the best ways that you can be a conduit in the next couple of weeks is um, it's, it's a little insert in your worship guide. It's, a, it's about love week. So love week for us is it's the week of Easter. So starting next Sunday until, until uh, the following Sunday, we're, we're going to be out on the streets just doing everything we can to show the love of Jesus Christ, all right? Every day, Monday through Friday, there's going to be teams uh, that are assembled, and they're out doing serve projects, and they're out making a difference, and, and they're, they're, out, they're, they're out loving on people. They're doing business blitzes. They're feeding high school and middle school teachers. They're, they're, whatever it is, they're going to be out just showing the love of Jesus Christ, and I'm telling you today that that is one of the best ways you can be a conduit of blessing. On the back of that is a, is a place says some ideas for random acts of kindness. These are ways that you can be a conduit of blessing, that you don't just leave that up to somebody else, but you realize that God has blessed me to be a blessing. It might be driving through a drive through uh, window and paying for somebody's meal behind you. It, it might be blessing somebody. Yesterday, I, I invited uh, somebody at a restaurant to, to church, um, and, uh, and he... <laughs> 
this is what you get sometimes. So you just got to power through, okay? He had made a comment about how we prayed over our meal, and he worked at the restaurant. And so I, I said, hey, in, in case you, you, know, you don't have a place to go for Easter, I'd love to invite you to our church for Easter. And he goes, oh, that's real cute and all, but uh, I, I'm, I'm the bus driver over at our church. I'm like, well, you stay there, man. You don't have to come to our church. You keep doing that thing, right? But you just, you just step out in faith sometimes, and you just do a little something, random act of kindness to be a blessing to somebody. And here's the principle of it, Okay. Here's the principle of the conduit of blessing. Same, same story that we're in about Paul with the Macedonians and Corinthians. He says, when you live a life of generosity, God will generously provide all that you need. How much is he going to provide for you? All. All that you need. And, and then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. Notice he says you don't have plenty left over for yourself so that you can go hide in a corner and count it all and roll around in your dough. No, no, no. It's, it's to share with other people. It's to make a difference. He blesses us to bless others. And he says, as the scriptures say, godly people give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will never be forgotten. For God is the one who gives seed to the farmer. Another translation says seed to the sower. So God doesn't, God doesn't give seed. It implies he doesn't give seed to the waster. He doesn't give seed to the one who sits on it. He doesn't give seed to the one who eats it. He doesn't give seed to the one who squanders it. He gives seed to the one who sows it, to the one who uses it. And in the same way that he gives seed to that person, he will give you many opportunities to do good between now and Easter, between now and the rest of your days. He's going to give you opportunities to be a blessing, to produce a great harvest of generosity in you. And here's the result. Here's the result. That when, when you do this, you will be enriched, so enriched that you can give even more generously. And when, and when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will break out in thanksgiving to God. Listen, when, when you are generous, when you show up at first Saturday serve like you did yesterday, and, and, and you're showing up o o over at the corner of 7th and MLK, and we're giving out free food. We're just, we got our grill set up. We're grilling burgers, and we, there's a team of people that's there just, just loving on people, and there's cars out to the road that are waiting to get in so that they can get a free meal so that they can get something to eat, so, so that they can, they can be fed physically and spiritually. Because we're not just giving them a burger. We're giving them prayer. We're meeting their needs. When, those home, when a homeless man walks over and says, hey, I, I don't even know how I ended up here, but man, I'm, I'm trying to get into addiction, addiction rehab, and I'm, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to get my life light. right. Come on, somebody. This is, they're going to break out in thanksgiving to God because you were there making a difference, because you were there meeting their needs, because you were there making sure that the vulnerable and the marginalized and the people who didn't have a home and the homeless and those who didn't have a meal for the day had something to eat. It was you that showed up there. Your generosity. Come on, somebody. It was you, Right? I'm preaching like that because I need you, I want you to get this so badly that you'll be enriched when you live a, a, a life of blessing to other people. I'm just telling you, I, I, I'm telling you, God will, God will show up in a powerful way. So it's a, it's a principle, it's a declaration that I'm, I'm a conduit. But number four is this, is, this one may step on our toes a little bit, but I, I'm a good steward of God's resources. So this is, it has to be true if I'm going to live the happy life. I don't get to just squander what he gives me. 
He has an expectation for me to be a good steward of his resources. If we believe that everything we have is given to us by God, then this isn't mine in the first place. What I have, he's given it to me to be a good steward of. So here's what I believe. You can, you can live better off of 90% that's blessed than you can 100% that's cursed. Believe that. So Pastor Ben, how do you be a good steward? Well, I'll give you three things. It's not in your notes, but jot it down. Three ways you can be a good steward. You give 10%, you save 10%, and you live off of 80%. Basic plan. If, if you could live like that. See, most Americans are living off of 110% of their income. How can we be good stewards of that, right? No, no, let's be good stewards. Let's give 10, let's save 10, and let's live on the other 80%. Well, how do you do that, Pastor Ben? When a culture is spending more than they bring home, how, how can you be a good steward? Get out of debt. Uh, get on a budget. I may have just cussed in church with that, those, those <laughs> two right there. It's like, what did you say? No. Get on a budget. Get, get out of debt. Cut the impulse buys. Right? Now, I mean, how, how, can I, how can I be a good steward of what God's given me? Save for vacay. Save for vacation. Save for Christmas. So many of Americans, they, 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 they put Christmas on a credit card, and then they pay it off for the next 12 months. Could, if I asked you today, could you save $100 a month for, for Christmas? A lot of you'd go, man, I can't do that. But if I said, can you do $25 a week? You'd be like, oh, yeah, that's easy. $25 a week? Did you know if you do, we do this, by the way. We do this. And I, I upped it this year. I raised it to $50 a week. But $25 a week gets, it saves you more than saving $100 a month. And if you could do $25 a week, you'll have more for Christmas than you would if you did $100 a month. So, so it's just we got to change our mindset. we got, we got to get some things straight. And we got to get out of debt. we got to save, save for things, save for the vacation, save for the cars. Let's not put ourselves in a position where we're in bondage to things. Amen? Amen. So how do we do it, Pastor Ben? Well, the, here's, here's the scripture, the principles. The plans of the diligent lead to profit. Diligence leads to profit. Diligence leads to margin in your life. Diligence says no to some things. Uh, uh, there was a, a, a book years ago that talked about that the number one truck of millionaires was a used Ford F-150. Not the, not the newest thing, right? Uh, diligence leads to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. All right, that's both of these scriptures in Proverbs 21, the next one's in 21.20. It says that the wise have, but the fools spend. Wives have wealth and luxury, but fools, they waste it all. They spend it all. It was here. Now it's gone. So, so I can't just preach to you that, uh, and this is not a series of give to get, so we have to wipe that clean. It's not on the table. It is give and be faithful with God, what God's asked you to do, but also be a good steward of it. Because I don't think God is going to give us more if he can't trust us with the other 90%. Because it's so much more than, than just what we do in the house of God. It is how we live our lives out of here. Can I talk like that today? Can I encourage us? Yeah. All right. So that's number four. 
be a, I'm a good steward. I am a good steward. It's a declaration. All right, number five is that I am storing up treasures in heaven. As I live the happy life, if I want to live this, this happy, this blessed life, I got to know that I'm storing up treasure in heaven, not on earth. I'm not, I'm not here building an earthly empire. Hey, trust me, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a saver. I want to save. I've got money in retirement accounts, all of that thing. I've been doing that since I was 21 years old. I, I, I want to live well when I retire. I get it. But there's a point where all of that's going to burn. It's not going to stay here. I'm not going to take it with me. So I've got to make sure that I'm also using what God gives me to store up treasure in heaven. What is treasure in heaven? It's, it's, not, it's not a mansion for you. It's not... It's not gold-plated underwear, all right? It's not. <laughs> What's treasure in heaven? It's people. That what we're supposed to do is populate heaven, plunder hell, populate heaven. That is the ultimate goal. So when I give, when I'm generous to somebody, when I bless my neighbor, when I take care of a stranger, I'm actually... Populating heaven. I'm, I'm giving them an opportunity to know Jesus Christ. I'm being the hands and feet of Jesus to people around me. I'm opening up an opportunity for them to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And this, I believe with all my heart, this is your ultimate purpose in life. It is for you to store up treasure in heaven, not on earth. The Bible, Jesus says, don't store it up on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But store it up in heaven where moth and rust can't destroy and where Satan, the one who comes to steal, kill, and destroy, can't break in and steal. So how do we do that? Well, one, one of the things we do here at church is, is growth track. It's, it's one of the ways that we help you store up treasure in heaven, okay? I'm not even talking about money right here. I'm talking about you discovering your spiritual gifts, that God has put inside of every one of you, when you were born, a spiritual gift, something that he put inside of you when you were born. And the two greatest days of your life are the day that you were born and then the day that you find out why you were born. Those are the greatest days of your life. And so Growth Track, it's happening right after this service today, 1130, where you can begin to take next steps to find out why you were born and how you can use your gifts, how you can make a difference in the kingdom of God, how you can populate heaven. Amen? Amen. That's why you're here. That's why you're here. Today in Growth Track is, is, is vision of the church. Who are we? Who, who do I answer to? What's the, what is the, um, the structure of our church? How, how do we use finances? How do you join the church? Next week, we're going to talk about discovering your purpose. How do you use it to build up treasure in heaven? Right? So in the Bible, there's, this, uh, there's a story of, about a rich young ruler. Okay? Um, theologians believe he was the richest, youngest ruler in that period. Um, some theologians believe, just based on history, that... Uh, the wealth of this rich young ruler was enough to carry the inhabitants of Jerusalem for years. One man's wealth. And he comes to Jesus, and he, he asks Jesus, what must I do to be saved? And here's, here's what Jesus said. It's Mark chapter 10. As Jesus was on his way, he was leaving, a man ran up to him, and he fell on his knees. This is a sign of submission. 
the rich young ruler is, is kneeling before Jesus, and he says, good teacher. He, he says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. Some theologians believe that this was the rich man's way of saying, I believe you are the son of God. So tell me then, I'm, I'm kneeling before you and I'm confessing you as, as, as good, just as God is good. How do I get to heaven? And Jesus says to him, you know the commandments. Well, what commandments do you think he's talking about? The Ten Commandments. There's Ten Commandments. And so Jesus says, you know the commandments. You shouldn't murder. Uh, don't commit adultery. Shouldn't steal. Don't give false testimony. Don't defraud. Honor your father and mother. So Jesus gives him six commandments right here. And here's what you might not know is that the Ten Commandments are broken up into two categories. Love God. Love people. And all of these commandments right here are in the love people category. So what Jesus says to him is, uh, you know the commandments, love people. And he says, well, I've, I've done that. He says, I've done that since I was a little boy. I mean, I've, I've always loved people, Jesus. And Jesus comes back and he says, well, there's one thing you lack. Go sell everything you have and give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Notice that. Treasure in heaven. You, you, when, you, when you give it to the poor, you're going you're gonna to make a way for people to get to heaven. Jesus was not saying that you can buy your way into heaven. He wasn't saying that, that, that your gift is, you know, if it's large enough, you'll, you'll, you know, I'll let you in. No, no. He was saying, you have a, there's a problem. You love people, but you don't love me. The problem wasn't the, that the man was wealthy. The problem was that the man's wealth came before God. Are you following me? And so G Jesus says, he says, you've got a problem. Your, your riches, your wealth, you care more about that. There's an idol in your life that is keeping you from selling out to me. That's what Jesus is saying to him. He says, so sell it all and give it to the poor. Then come follow me. And the man went away sad because he had great wealth. So here's what, what I would ask you today. This, is, this isn't about whether you have money or you don't have money. It's not to make you feel guilty. But in the same way that this man had an idol before God, the idol was money. It was possessions. I would ask you today, how do you feel about your money? How do you feel about your resources? How do you feel about what God's given you? Are, are you prideful in what you have? Or are... Are you greedy in what you have? Because you feel like you don't have enough. Where is your heart in this? And, and if, what, what, what does money mean to you? Is it your savior? If you have more of it, your life is good? Or what, what does it mean to you? And here's the thing. Jesus will probably never ask you to sell everything you have and give it to the poor. He'll probably never ask you to give it all up and, and give it to the poor. But what if he did? What if he did? Would you be willing to leave your house? Would you be willing to give up the promotion? Would, would you be willing to give up the career, the raise? Would you be willing to give up the car, the income, and follow him? 
And th that's the true test of the heart, see? Is, is, is our resources, are our resources an idol for us? Here's what C.S. Lewis said. Do not let your happiness depend on something you may lose. The happy life isn't built on things. It's not built on stuff. It's not built on resources. It's not built on a paycheck. It's not built on what people say about us. A happy life is not built on, on what others, what, what's going on around us. The happy life is a life founded in Jesus Christ. A happy life is a life that is rooted in Jesus Christ, that puts God before anything else. Amen? Amen. Come on, let's give God praise today for a happy life, that we can live a happy life. I'd ask you to bow your heads with me today. And if, if you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, I told you I'd give you an opportunity to know Him. That what He wants more than anything is He wants your heart. The most valuable gift that you could give God today, it's not, it's not a check, it's not a tithe, it's not being generous to somebody else. More than anything, what God really, really wants is He wants your heart. If there's an idol between you and God, if there's something that's coming before, before God, if there's something that's coming between you and God, and you're doing things your way, and you're in control, and you're calling the shots, and you're the one that's in charge in your life, if there's anything between you and God today, today's the day that you can remove that idol. Today is the day that you can give it up to follow Jesus Christ. And if that's you, if I'm talking to you, on the count of three, you're ready to go all in. You're ready to give your life to Jesus. I want you to boldly lift your hands, top to the bottom. If that's you, one, two, three. I'm going all in today, Jesus. Come on, lift up your hands. One, two, three. Who else would say that's me? Four, five. Anybody else would say that's me, Pastor Ben? Six. Somebody say, come on, that's me. Seven, I see you in the balcony. Anybody else? I'm so proud of you. Eight. Anybody else? I'm, I'm so thankful, so proud of you. This is your moment. You're, you're turning away from the things of the world. You're, you're putting some idols aside and you're putting Jesus first in your life. This is the day. Let's pray this prayer together all across the room. Say, Jesus, I give you my life. I turn from my ways to follow your ways. You are my Savior. You are my Lord. You call the shots. You direct my steps. I will follow you. I will trust you. I will live for you. I will obey you to the best of my ability. All the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Come on, let's thank God today. Let's thank God. Yeah. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you for making that decision today. And if, if you did make that decision, we want to help you with next steps. And so if, if whether you raised your hand or not, if, if you would take that connection card that Pastor Derek mentioned earlier, and right on there it says, my decision today. I'm, I'm committing my life to Jesus. I'm recommitting. I want to be baptized. Today's water baptism. There's already a few people planning to get baptized. Uh, you don't have to plan to get baptized. You can do it spontaneously, by the way. All right? You can, you, that's why we provide everything for you. We don't want anybody to ever go, yeah, I didn't come prepared. No, we came prepared for you. We're ready for you. If you just gave your life to Christ, what better way to leave here today than to be baptized? 
Well, I've got lunch with my family. My hair is going to be wet. That's a great opportunity to tell them why your hair is wet. Come on, somebody, that you just gave your life to Jesus. And so get your life off the script sometimes and just be spirit-led. Today's baptism. Today's the day to do that. And if you made a decision, mark that card. Put it in the offering container as it passes. And that's our way to know that you gave your life to Christ. But also go by the Next Steps counter out there. We'd love to get that box into your hands as well to help you with Next Steps. And as we give today, you give whatever the Lord puts on your heart. I really mean that, that you give, you give whatever the Lord puts on your heart. And I pray for you that he speaks to you, that he guides you and directs you. But I want you to know this, as we get ready to give, I told you when we started this series that we weren't doing this because we needed the money. We, we don't, we really don't. I'm doing this because I want to teach you in the same way I would teach you any other topic, any other subject that I've ever taught is for your benefit. But because you're buying into this, because you are trusting God at His Word, you gave more last month than any other month in the history of the church. Come on, somebody. You're getting that. And I praise God for that. That's amazing. So what that means is because you gave more, guess what? The church got to give more. We sent more to our missions partners. We sent more to people around the country. We sent more to Bible translation, to Israel, to feed Jews and Arabs in the heart of Jerusalem, the Sea of Tiberias. Come on, we were able to do more. We were able to send more to Cuba and more to, more, more to um, uh, the Bible translation in Ukraine, by the way. We're able to do more because of you. So thank you for that. Thank you, thank you. I'm going to bless our time. And when I say amen, I'm just going to ask you to stand up and let's worship God today. So, Lord, we thank you that we get to give. And I pray for every person able to give today that you'd bless them abundantly. For those who don't have to give and they're, they're in a season of transition or challenge, God, I pray your blessing on them, that you would give them everything that they need. God, I pray for every person who needs prayer today as our prayer team's here at the front. God, I pray that you would draw every person who needs prayer to the front, that they could meet with somebody who will pray with them and believe God to meet their needs. God, thank you that it's a tithing weekend. We get to return back to you what's already yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, let's stand up on our feet today. Step one, go with God because He is going with you. I give you my attention, all my focus, 
Cause you're a man.